Welcome to Rigo's Business Review, where we bring you the latest in leadership, business, and tech. I'm your host, Carl Rigo. Join us each week as we share unexpected insights and underreported stories from the world of business to inform, uplift, and inspire, and make you think. Hello, and thank you for joining us for the podcast. Today we ask, why is it so quiet in London these days? What do cryptocurrencies have to do with Janet Yellen, U.S. Treasury Secretary nominee? And in the executive suite, we present three key leadership insights and reveal which business philosopher famously said, either you run the day or the day runs you. We start in London this week. If you live in the area, have you noticed it's quieter than usual, even given the lockdown? I have. So a colleague told me how she noticed it when her, she teaches, has a business teaching English as a second language to foreign-born business people. And she noticed that a number of them had just disappeared. Her, her client roster had shrunk quite a lot. I saw that's quite interesting. I wondered, is that just anecdotal? Well, it turns out it's not. The FT reports that there has been a drop in London's population. Uh, by how much? Well, an estimated 700,000 foreign-born residents are estimated to have left the city since the COVID-19 outbreak. This is the first drop in London's population in 30 years. At that level, that would be 8% of London's population. And that exodus is already being felt in the city's property market. Now, there is a silver lining here for tenants. Rental prices in inner London have fallen sharply since the beginning of the pandemic. And the number of property sales in the center of the capital has dropped as international buyers have been kept away. But will this be a short-lived dip or something more sustained? Well, with the vaccine rollout underway, some experts think that overseas renters and buyers will return in droves once shops and businesses can reopen. Others believe that underlying economic concerns coupled with the impact of Brexit point to a longer-term reduction in demand for London property. But back to those rental rates. How far have they fallen? Well, in the 12 months to October 2020, the average rents in London fell 6.9%. And in the city of London, that would be the square mile, rental rates have fallen by 15% which for tenants at least is a, definitely a change from the norm and in the right direction. Zooming out for the bigger picture global view, what are the three big forces that are shaping the modern world? What would you say? Well, according to The Economist, there are the fact that globalization has had breaks applied to it. And I would say that's due to things like travel restrictions, reshoring of various industries, supply chains, moving from lean, just-in-time approaches to a just-in-case with more um, being built to be more resilient, having more redundant systems and buffers built in, and industries that have been uh, brought back and reshored include strategic ones such as medical supply manufacturing and also telecoms and IT provision for security purposes. 
The second major force is a digital revolution, which we're all aware of, which has been radically accelerated. For example, Microsoft reported doing two years worth of digital transformation work in two months that would be helping companies get online and streamline their operations and be able to cope with the challenges of the COVID era. And the third defining force is the, the geopolitical rivalry between the U.S. and China, which has intensified. And at the same time, the pandemic has worsened one of today's great scourges, which is inequality. And it has also focused minds on the century's upcoming uh, impending crisis, which is that of climate change and environmental degradation, which all means that in reality, there is no going back to the pre-COVID world. Picking up on inequality for a moment, Oxfam released a report today that said that the, the 1,000 richest people on the planet recouped their COVID-19 losses within just nine months, but it could take more than a decade for the world's poorest to recover from the economic impacts of the pandemic. And the report reveals how the COVID crisis is deepening long-standing socioeconomic divides. And Oxfam says that fairer economies are the key to a rapid economic recovery from COVID-19. So what can be done? Well, we can each make a difference in our own way and helpfully, world leaders from all sectors are convening virtually this week for the World Economic Forum Davos Agenda. The premise of the event this year is that the, the time to rebuild trust and to make critical choices is fast approaching as the need to reset priorities and the urgency to reform systems grows stronger around the world. So what's on the agenda? Well, things like designing cohesive, sustainable, and resilient economic systems, enhancing stewardship of the global commons, and advancing global and regional cooperation. As you may have heard, the event will feature heads of state from the G20 and industry leaders and public figures who will be discussing how to accelerate public-private collaboration on issues such as COVID-19 vaccination, job creation, and climate change. Uh, you can join the discussion online to be a part of it. It's encouraging to hear that the world is seems to be prioritizing those really pressing needs as a matter of urgency. Turning now to other international news. If you've been wondering where Jack Ma has been, he's reappeared. Thankfully, the Alibaba co-founder spoke at an event honoring teachers, which was his first public appearance in three months. He had kept a very low profile since Chinese regulators had begun cracking down on his business empire. Turning now to the US, which has a ripple effect on the rest of the world, you may have heard that the Biden administration held a three-hour confirmation hearing for Treasury Secretary nominee Janet Yellen, who was the former chair of the Federal Reserve. What sorts of areas may she be focused on? What do you think? Well, she mentioned three in particular. We're going to do a deep dive on this because it's pretty important. She mentioned cryptocurrencies are a particular concern. She said, quote, I think many are used, at least in a transaction sense, mainly for illicit financing. And I think we really need to examine ways in which we can curtail their, their use. 
Now I'm going to come back to that. We're going to do a deep dive on cryptocurrencies and initial coin offerings in a moment. Secondly, she said the Treasury needs to stay laser focused on China and saying that there are many tools at the department's disposal, things like sanctions and enforcement actions that can be used to dismantle uh, financial support networks for those who may seek to do us harm. Thirdly, she said, nothing is more important to the future of housing than what we do with Fannie and Freddie. And that's in reference to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which are government-backed home mortgage companies that make it easier for Americans to become homeowners by making the mortgage market more liquid, stable, and affordable. Both Fannie and Freddie have programs to help those affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, such as a moratorium on foreclosures and evictions until the end of January. And interestingly, uh, 28 million U.S. homeowners have a mortgage that are backed by one of those two programs. Now, there's a challenge with them as they've grown to become too big to fail and now pose a systemic risk to taxpayers. And of course, in the, during the 2008 financial crisis, those Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac actually had to be bailed out and they were put into conservatorship for 12 years, which is now ending. So the incoming Biden administration has an opportunity to reshape the housing finance system, which is a challenge and an opportunity that will be set before the incoming Treasury Secretary. Back to Janet Yellen's comments. Given the popularity of cryptocurrencies these days, we're going to drill down on one particular aspect of that market, which is initial coin offerings or ICOs. What is an ICO? An initial coin offering is the cryptocurrency industry's equivalent to an initial public offering. So it's where a company looking to raise money to create a new coin, app, or service launches an ICO as a way to raise funds. Now, ICOs are popular fundraising methods for startups wishing to offer products and services usually related to the cryptocurrency and blockchain space. And how it works is that interested investors can buy into the offering and receive a new cryptocurrency token, which is issued by the company. This token may have some utility in using the product or service the company is offering, or it may just represent a stake in the company or project. Some key points about ICOs. Some of them have yielded massive returns for investors. However, many others have turned out to be frauds and scams. How many of, how many of them? Well, one study by Investopedia says 80% of initial coin offerings up to 2018 were scams. So buyer beware. And what does the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, say about this? They're the regulator in the U.S. They say while cryptocurrencies and these ICOs may present a new and efficient means for carrying out financial transactions, they also bring increased risk of fraud and manipulation because the markets for these assets are less regulated than traditional capital markets. So again, caveat emptor, buyer beware. Hence, it makes sense why Janet Yellen would cite cryptocurrencies as a potential area of focus. Wrapping up with some more upbeat, encouraging news, Elon Musk has offered a $100 million prize for the best carbon capture and storage solution, which is great because that sort of technology will be needed to help tackle and accelerate the reduction of CO2 in the atmosphere to stave off possible environmental disaster that will reduce levels of climate change and warming. And if you've been imagining a refreshing beach holiday with sun, sand, and sea, 
You may be curious to hear which companies are projected to grow the fastest in 2021, according to The Economist. Here's a hint. They're not the large, uh, the large powerhouse nations you may be thinking of. Half of the top 10 are actually island economies, which will enjoy double-digit or near-double-digit growth. So, for example, Macau is expected to grow by 35% this year. And along with the British Virgin Islands, the Maldives and St. Lucia will also have uh, impressive growth rates because, partly because their economies have been, frankly, largely decimated due to the drop in tourism. So as they anticipate more holidaymakers, uh, it would seem that if, if you've been missing locales like that, they've been missing you too. So fingers crossed, we may all be able to take a nice holiday, which we may have been waiting on. More good news is our regular update on the number of vaccinations that have been administered globally. Now 64 million people have, have been administered a vaccine dose, which is up over 50% from the last week. So it's great that some momentum is building. And in terms of the percentages of the population, Israel has now vaccinated 40% of their population. The UK has given vaccine dose to 10% of their population, and the US has vaccinated 6% of theirs. Um, hopefully the rest of mainland Europe will catch up because currently they're they've vaccinated less than 2% of the population so far. And in absolute terms, the countries that have done the largest number of vaccines so far are the US, China, the UK, Israel, and the UAE. Now turning to the human element of business and carrying on from the Davos spirit of building metaphorical bridges, we also ask, have you ever had a day that just kind of got away from you professionally or wondered how you might be able to get ahead and progress in your career? Or maybe you've thought about that you might want to be a more effective communicator and you wanted some tips on how to do that. Well, you're in luck. That's all covered in today's career advice segment we call the Executive Suite. This clip originally aired on the Workplace Radio Show on Resonance 104.4 FM in London. I'd like to thank my colleague NND, who is the producer of that show. And now, join us in the executive suite. Today I'm going to share three powerful insights from one of the most inspiring leaders I've ever encountered, Jim Rohn. By way of background, Jim Rohn was an American businessman, entrepreneur, and speaker. He is perhaps best known for his life story, which is a farm boy from Idaho, makes it to Beverly Hills, tells the story of how he, for the first six years of his professional life, was doing okay, but was languishing a bit, was behind on his promises, and he would say that he always had too much month left over at the end of the money. So he went out looking for something more, and when he was 25, he met his mentor, a business mentor, who invited him to join a sales organization, an entrepreneurial enterprise. And he, in the next six years, through the coaching and leadership that he experienced, became a millionaire by the age of 31. And for the next 40 plus years, he spent his life sharing those lessons with over 5 million people around the world to inspire them and, and instruct them to achieve their own success. 
you also continued to run a number of successful businesses in an executive capacity. And he was acknowledged by his peers to be the preeminent teacher on success and happiness. Some of his mentees are quite well known, including Tony Robbins, Les Brown, and many other professionals in the personal development space. Jim was an exceptional communicator and his insights stay with you. And today I would like to share three key insights. The first quote is, either you run the day or the day runs you. Think about that for a moment. That's part of the reason why I chose this topic for this week's segment. How many times have we in our professional lives been seemingly running around, what's the tail wagging the dog? Are we fo whose priorities are we focused on? Are we focused on our agenda or someone else's agenda? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, as they say. So just thinking about that, on those occasions where we were running our own day, chances are we planned it out in advance, we had time allocated, we were playing to our strengths, we had enough quiet time to think, we were empowered, we were doing things that we enjoyed. And then on those days where the day was running us instead of us running the day, chances are maybe we overcommitted, maybe we said yes to some things that we should have said no to. And in practice, every time we say yes to something, we are saying no to something else, whether we realize it or not. Also on those occasions, we can check and see, have we set appropriate boundaries? Do we need to reestablish those boundaries? How did we end up here and how can we prevent that from happening in the future? So it's just a powerful insight I wanted to share. The second insight is you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. That's another powerful one. And from my perspective, that has influenced me in my life. For example, in a very practical sense, you can look at your network, your your colleagues and maybe your professional network on LinkedIn, for example, and just look and see if the, the network, the people you've surrounded yourself with, are they taking you where you would want to go? And are they fit? For, is, is your community of, of people fit for where you're going? Or is it, is it mainly a backward looking community? So is it people and, and contacts that have been very helpful to get you to where you are today. That's great. You want to keep those. You, you also want to deliberately build a forward-looking network of people to help you get into the area that you want to get into. If you want to progress to an executive level, if you want to change careers, if you want to go to graduate school, things like that, you may want to surround yourself with people who have done what you want to do and or who are on the same path as you to balance things out. The last quote is one of my absolute favorites, which is when it comes to communicating with others, meet them where they are. If we want to influence other people, People, we must first allow them to influence us. This is a concept that I employ every day in business. When I meet people, when I do sales training, when I'm coaching executives, ask them how they're doing, meet them where they are, establish that rapport, build the connection, and then you may have earned the right to potentially influence them. Lastly, I would like to acknowledge my older brother, Pete Rigo Jr., who in first introduced me to Jim Rohn's materials all those years ago. And now I'm able to share these insights with you. I have a recommendation, several recommendations for materials by Jim Rohn. I love his audio program, so I would suggest you, you can find them on jimrohn.com. That's J-I-M-R-O-H-N.com. And I would recommend two audio programs. One is The Art of Exceptional Living, and the second is The Power of Ambition. They are tremendously valuable, and from my experience, they can help transform your life. And that's the view from the Executive Suite this week. Thank you for listening. That's all for this episode. Tune in next time for the latest insights and hidden gems from the world of business. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from you. For any feedback, suggestions, or questions you'd like us to cover, you can email us at krego at lxauk.com and on LinkedIn at karl-rego. Until next time, onwards and upwards. And thank you for listening. Rego's Review, signing off.